0: Welcome back to the Unbelievable Podcast. I am BJ Ardell, back here with my guy, Drew Mahold, and today, uh, we're coming off of a bit of a roller coaster victory, um, we'll, we'll break that down in detail, uh, obviously. Uh, we'll also go through the Skull Scale, um, as we do on every Tuesday episode. Um, uh, got some great responses that we'll check in with and react to. Uh, and then we'll finish up with just some thoughts on fandom in general, um, But the bulk of this episode will obviously be breaking down uh, uh, the Vikings' ridiculous victory um, over the Denver Broncos. Uh, As always, uh, or I guess not as always, but relatively new, uh, you can find us on Daily Norseman now um, and the Climbing the Pocket Network. So uh, if you had been already checking us out on iTunes or Stitcher or whatever uh, medium you're using, awesome. But just know that we are now available on Daily Norseman um, and the Climbing the Pocket Network. So shout out to them. all right, so let's uh, let's talk about this. Uh, let's talk about this football game. Um, my game plan here is I want to talk about it on kind of a broad scale, kind of the emotional um, roller coaster. Like I said before, to use that same term again, that's exactly what it was. I want to talk about that kind of um, in more detail. So, uh, just f- before we kick that off, I'll give you your summary of the game that you don't need, but uh, just your your quick refresher. Um, <laughs> Since I know you watched the game, and I'm sure that you've already been listening to other uh, talk shows, but uh, I'll give you the, the quick refresher anyways. Vikings came out absolutely flat, uh, one of the flattest starts to a football game that I've ever seen. Um, not just the Vikings, just in general. Um, they could not do literally anything right. Uh, Denver stuck, uh, staked themselves out to a 20 to nothing lead in the first half. Uh, that was uh, a combination of a lot of different issues that the Vikings were having. Uh, special teams fumbles. Kirk Cousins got that fumble that we kind of projected that he was going to have. Uh, quite literally, everything went wrong. the The Vikings' play calling in the in the first half, uh, from an offensive perspective, was not great. Um, and from a defensive perspective, it seemed like their guys were out of position quite a bit, and Brandon Allen was kind of eating them up. Uh, Cort- Cortland Sutton, the phenomenal wide receiver that they got there, second-year guy, ate them up, especially during the first half, but was pretty consistent throughout the game. Uh, going into halftime, Anderson Deho had a great interception that might have changed the outlook of the game. I think we'll talk about that a little bit more later on. And uh, something changed. They snapped in the second half. The Vikings came out ridiculously hot on offense. They scored on every single drive. Um, they held Denver to three points in the second half. Denver continues its streak without a touchdown in the fourth quarter. And your Minnesota Vikings coastered their way to a 27-23 to victory that um, pretty much no one has done in the last five years. Uh, well, n- literally no one in the last five years has done. Uh, and I think they proved a lot of people wrong, and uh, rightfully so. Uh, I think pretty much everyone counted them out of this game. Ultimately, the Vikings come back. Um, and get that W when uh, it really seemed in doubt, uh, at least for the first 30 minutes, if not longer. So uh, that is your game summary right there, Drew. Why don't you talk to me about your feelings about this game? Uh, tell me about the emo- emotional roller coaster that you went on personally.
1: Well, I think every single Vikings fan was thinking about the Bills game last year. Yeah. Uh You I mean you had really it was about the same score almost. Uh, I think you know, I think it was 27 nothing actually last year in the Bills game, and that's a about almost what it was when Abdullah fumbled that kick return, and Denver had it in the red zone towards the end of the half. There, thankfully, Sandejo was able to get an interception and keep the scoring at twenty nothing, uh, which actually proved to be a big deal in this game. Yeah, but I think every single Vikings fan thought back to that game, thought about being double digit favorites against an AFC opponent, against you know a young quarterback named Allen. Uh, if you really want to get specific about it, but. It, something happened at halftime. I don't know if there was a talk, if Kirk flipped flipped a switch. If I don't know what happened at halftime, but definitely on the cool throne is halftime speeches because something <laughs> was said in the in the locker room, and
0: I oh, know John snapped.
1: Krasinski has had put up a, a really good uh, column on The Athletic about Stefan Diggs and how. Uh, he kind of was fired up on the sidelines. And I know that he was, from sources that were at the game, he was being shown a lot on screen, kind of firing up his team. And that also kind of fired up the crowd. And if you're a believer in momentum, uh, that type of thing <laughs> it really matters. So uh, <laughs> big win for Diggs uh, in terms of, I think the, I don't know if you saw the hate that Chris Harris, the cornerback for Denver was giving him about his speed. Uh, he made a, he said a quote about how, uh digs doesn't have the breakaway speed that some of the other top tier receivers have so he's not going to burn us and then Diggs burns exactly him for a 54 yard touchdown uh but a lot of people have been doubting that kirk can you know bring the team back i think he was 0 11 when losing in the fourth quarter uh as a viking and Obviously, the stat to about the like the at last x many years teams down by 20 and a half or 199 uh so both, if you want to say, are t- statistically due. The Vikings were due, I guess, in that way. But uh, odds were definitely stacked against them. Win probability for Denver was like 96% at one point. Vikings came back and won the game. That shows resolve and it shows that uh, you know they can overcome a, a horrendous start to win football games.
0: Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> you know, uh, I hated this. I hated this football game. And I, I think that I did. I, I genuinely did not enjoy my my fan experience as a as a Vikings fan this weekend. Uh, and here's here's why. I think that uh, I I said this a couple times. But there have been some people that have been like, "Oh yeah, yeah, I, I get it, I get it." Um, and then there've been other people who have been like, "Dude, that was you know that was a one of the most thrilling victories that you're going to find." Um, and I agree that it it certainly was. That comeback was not only historic, but it was. Completely unprecedented there was literally there's nothing to suggest that the Vikings had any potential to do this they've never done this in the past uh they they quite literally bro- they shattered a curse i mean i I think back to you know all the, the millions of times that well it's not actually millions you know what I mean uh hundreds <laughs> of times that this type of thing has happened where you know the Vikings get down and you know every fan in the state with the exception of a couple of kind of uh, I think sort of delusional fans. Apologize if that's offending someone, but I kind of see that as a little bit delusional. Uh, was ready to you know book this one in and you know walk away from the TV. And uh, for me personally, I'm never I've never been someone that walks away from any sporting event. Right? I, when I was probably eight years old, I was at a I was at a baseball game with one of my buddies uh, with one of my buddies and his dad. And uh, it was a Twins game. I think they were playing Boston or New York or one of those AL East teams that uh, just always seemed to whomp the Twins. And I think the Twins were down something like 8 to nothing in, like, the fourth inning or something like that. There was, you know, zero chance of them coming back, and they ultimately didn't come back. But I remember my buddy and I – keep in mind that we were, like, 10, 11, 12 years old or whatever. We didn't want to be there. You know how kids have short, short, intentions, uh, short attention spans uh, mm-hmm. combined with the fact that the Twinks were getting rocked. I mean, we wanted to get out of there. And I remember my buddy's dad – was like you know no, no you never leave a sporting event uh, no matter whatever it is first of all you paid to be there uh, second of all uh, it's, something can change they play you know in this case four quarters and in, in uh, you know in my historic brief here nine innings at least uh, for a reason they do that stuff I mean that that's how the game is set up it's not it's not always it's ne- it's never over it's essentially what this comes down to but uh, and that kind of stuck with me for the rest of my life so I, I've never been someone that walks away from the TV I've never been someone that walks out of the stadium early none of that kind of stuff but. This one, I was shook straight up, right? Okay? Like, I, my, the, first, uh, the first 15 minutes were about as hard to watch emotionally as a fan. And I try to – honestly, I do try to disconnect my sentiment, like my, my personal feelings, you know, being born in Minnesota and, like, I'm just, I have to be a Viking so I don't even have a choice anymore. Like, I just, I just actively hope – I have an active interest in, you know, them winning football games. Uh, but this this one really hammered me, man like this was this was very, very challenging for me to watch. The Vikings literally did nothing right. They could not move the ball in offense. They weren't the play calling was frustrating. They were turning the ball over and if they weren't turning it over, they were almost turning it over. Uh, they were getting <laughs> they were getting shredded by a ridiculously like a quarterback that has no business in this league for them like on most Sundays. I mean, he should be at the very best a backup quarterback and I mean that's pretty much what he is. Um, and they were getting shredded by this guy. And then on top of that you got Cortland Sutton throwing t- passes downfield that are getting caught. I mean it, put that all all take all of that and then you take into the perspective that the Vikings like there were so many different times where the ball just floated over Xavier Rhodes's hands or just missed the outstretched arms of Trey Waynes and fell complete. That hap- it was just it was so much to take in. It was body blow after body blow after body blow. And I for the first time in years I took a break I stood up and I I went and took a shower because I was like I I, I couldn't I couldn't watch I couldn't watch the game it was literally it was affecting my 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 happiness and and generally like I I try to only allow sporting events to affect my happiness in a positive way Uh, but the thing about football is you only get one of these a week so you want to watch the game right and that's uh yeah but at
1: one matters just that much more than, you know, a baseball game. Right. Or... You,
0: you always have tomorrow night or yeah. whatever it is. You got 161 more of these guys. Uh, with this, you, you know, we've got five games left this season. So I got out of the mm-hmm. shower and I actually walked out of the shower to Kirk Cousins fumbling, which is my worst nightmare <laughs> because I called that from, you know, last week's show. I, I think a lot of us, you know, saw that potential outcome and it happened. So that's just even more frustrating. And, you know, it, it was it was really, really tough to watch in the first half. Second half was, don't get me wrong, the, the four touchdown drives, amazing. Like, you know, that was crack for Vikings fans. I mean, you could, like, <laughs> it was it was thrilling stuff. I mean, they were doing so many things well. Uh, all of your favorite players were getting involved. I mean, you saw Irv Smith get his first touchdown, which was awesome. You saw Kyle Rudolph have yards after catch for the first time in, like, two years. Stefan Diggs breaks loose. I mean, Dalvin Cook got into the end zone for your fantasy team. I mean, everything was just chugging on... It was everything was perfect. Then you get to that last drive. And that last drive was borderline harassment. Honestly, like I, I they could
1: You mean that the Denver's last drive, Yeah, right? Denver's last
0: Denver's last drive. Yeah, the def, the defense couldn't they, like they would get three stops in a row and then two different occasions they converted on fourth down. Like it was how how do you not believe in momentum at that point? Like it was demoralizing. It was it was it was tough to watch. My heart was racing. I was uncomfortable throughout. I was breaking in. I was breaking out in the sweat, like it was oh I not, was sweating. Oh yeah. Was, this was not fun. That's not. That's not like like yes I'm thrilled that the Vikings won this game. But this was not fun. It was not a fun experience for me, top to bottom. And I mean I look at the scoreboard now and I'm I, I love it. I mean I can enjoy my Monday. I'm happy that the Vikings are eight and three. You know I'm happy that we have a positive <laughs> show for you today. But my God, I did not have a good experience at all. That's just, and that's, I guess, that's my two cents of the game.
1: Interesting. I mean, it. So the rush that a fan gets, you know, when you're watching your team, yeah, yeah. and it's a close game. See, I enjoy that, and the fact that the Vikings even brought it to a close game was enough for me to overall be satisfied with my experience for sure. watching the game. So that's. I mean, we differ there a little bit, but I agree that it was like extremely stressful and I was sweating the entire time. Cause I mean, if you, in the grand scheme, they're playing the Broncos at home. This quarterback, like you said, is not a starter. Uh, this roster on offense has one playmaker. That's worth a lot. Right. Portland yep. Sutton. Yep. Uh, Noah Fant could be maybe if he was targeted more, um, point being though, actually he had a lot of targets yesterday. Uh, uh, the J. Ron Kirst broke up down the stretch, but it, it was one of those, like you go into the, game kind of assuming but you don't want to assume don't get house your yourself but you assume that the vikings should win this game we
0: were very confident and about this game very yeah and confident. then
1: bef- right right before halftime you're thinking well seven and four division's probably out of the question now right uh you know it's for sure going to be a wild card game in the playoffs on the road that type of thing creeps into your mind
0: mm-hmm. all those negative future yep. outlooks yep. yeah the, yep. na- the narratives that the media has Plus been hammering us and for. the narrative
1: of Kirk. You know, he, he fumbled uh, poorly. You know, I mean, that was a pretty – I mean, obviously, Reddy Reef getting – or completely whiffing on the block is one thing. But yep. Kirk fumbling and not being able to play from behind, all this stuff. Like, it. you start thinking about it. And then for them to come back, make it a game. Kirk, phenomenal performance. And I don't know if we want to say the MVP, bring that up again. But it's worth bringing up. Because this is one of those games where
0: This is an MVP this is, performance. This is
1: why you pay a quarterback eighty four million guaranteed dollars. Is because when everything else is going wrong, you can say, Okay, Kirk, let's yep. win this game or well, you win this game. And when that's exactly what he did. And he he made every single throw he needed to in the second half. They went four for four on touchdown drives. I got the ball four times and I scored a touchdown every time. I don't know what else you you want from them, from him there. Yeah. Uh, so now, the emotions, obviously, it's it's unbelievable. I mean, you get every case, every single emotion that a Vikings fan, you know, can experience every season where you get, you get the high expectations before the game, like, oh, yeah, we're going to win this game. Uh, and so you're at home against an inferior opponent. This is classic. It's your high expectations. Uh, you get the incredible disappointment let down a la Eagles in 2017. Yep. You got the first half. Just nothing went right. Team is flat. Uh, the devastation there. Then you get the kind of the hope. Hope. they're making they're making it interesting. The
0: hope, yeah. The hope slips into your mind. That, yeah. oh my god, and I, I don't like that. Like
1: yeah, but then it's like as Brandon Allen is slowly driving Denver on the final drive. Yeah, then yeah. you get your like oh they're gonna blow this. Here we go yep. again. You start thinking how, about two thousand three card game now. Yep. See, so, yep, uh, you got every emotion possible, and then the rare instance here where the Vikings actually do hold on for the win. And do hold on and fulfill that hope that they kind of generated uh, in the fourth quarter early on. That, that so you, you got every type of motion you wanted as a fan there. Uh, and it, some it was, you don't was, want too. It was overall it was fun. But I'm with you. Like I, I'm not with you, but I I understand if it was not fun for some just because <laughs> of how uncomfortable the entire thing was from the devastation of the first half to the the sweat, literally the sweat in the second half. Yeah.
0: Yeah it was uh it was a wild ride that's and that's really the simplest way to put it um yeah let's let's narrow in the focus here from kind of the broad outlook i mean the difference here is you know uh, you mentioned it, it this is a it, it's a huge this is an astronomical difference on that just that last play of the game the difference between being 8 and 4 in this situation in the nfc with so many teams and the difference between that and being 7 and 4 and you know just, like you said I mean, <laughs> Thinking about the future for this team, and the, well, the immediate future for this team, it, the outlook is just simply not very good. I mean, with that one play uh, that Ron Curse makes at the end of the game, there uh, you you drastically altered uh, what the potential for this Vikings team is this season. Uh, and obviously, uh, this all starts with Kirk Cousins. So uh, we've talked about him a little bit already, but I mean, let's let's talk let's break down this performance bit by bit. Uh, the the first half for Cousins, I. Honestly, I didn't think the first half was that bad. Now, it, don't like. <laughs> give me a second here to explain. It wasn't. It wasn't. Go- it wasn't good. He turned the ball over, so he made the kind of the cardinal error there that you know he has made throughout um, his career, um, not just with the Vikings, but with, the, with Washington as well. Um, for for what it's worth, he has not been fumbling basically at all uh, over the last month or so. Just put that in perspective. But. Um, he was playing the game that he's called as he loves to say during his post game press conferences, he was playing the game that was called. And I personally don't believe that uh, Kevin Stefanski and Gary Kubiak were calling to uh, a very good game in that first half. Now the decision making couple of blunders there, not great. Uh, you don't, I mean, nobody likes seeing him ever Chuck down to CJ ham, but especially on a free play, you know, I've hmm. seen that one all over the Didn't place. Like that. that was not good. Um, the failure to kind of stretch the field, throwing the intermediate and deep routes. Uh, I, I honestly, I think the one deep pass that they threw during the first half was the one that got called back on a rally reef hold. Uh, the Stefan Diggs catch that kind of breath <laughs> for a fl- for like a flash of time, you kind of breathe some life into the Vikings and then immediately gets pulled back. And, mm-hmm. uh, so the first half was uh, – it wasn't good, but it wasn't horrible. He wasn't, he wasn't the reason – or he wasn't the sole reason why the Vikings were down 20 to nothing. That kind of – that's on the defense, but I digress. Uh, the second half, on the other hand, might have been peak Kirk Cousins, the best Kirk version of Kirk Cousins that uh, you will ever see and definitely the best Kirk Cousins that I have personally seen uh, to date. I, I think that – well, anytime you score on every single drive – Obviously, that's good, <laughs> uh, but, but just the little, true. Yeah, the little things that he did well, uh, specifically the way he was throwing the ball moving out to his left when he bootlegged out to the left side, I mean, he was, he's got to have – his rating's got to be near perfect in those situations. I, I, yesterday, I think it was perfect. Uh, it was incredible. I mean, he was making pinpoint throws down the field. He was navigating a different style of offense, a hurry-up offense, where he was making checks to the line of scrimmage, getting his guys in position. I mean, there was a couple of different times where he quite literally, like, pointed out to Stephon Diggs and said, "Like, go, like, you need to be lined up off the line of scrimmage in this situation." Then he turns to his left and he's like, "Irv Smith, all right, you're over here." I mean, he was conducting the entire offense for four consecutive drives, and they were running in. I mean, they were running the ball down the field big play after big play after big play and doing so without Delvin Cook as well who was basically a non-factor as a rusher yesterday so he literally put the team on his back down 20 to <laughs> nothing staring in the face of all these just horrific narratives that are to a degree accurate but also can created by the media and people like us as well um uh, And he just—he didn't care. I mean, like you know, like how we question people question his mentality. Like he—he's allowing stuff to get into his head. I mean, that was just the furthest thing from the truth in this game. He. I don't think
1: he. I I really don't think he lets any any outside noise get to him. I think it's simply a matter of. It's a matter of in-game pressure. I think when things do get to him, like
0: physical pressure. It's a matter
1: of. It's a matter of like the physical, you know, like the defensive line getting close to him, and then he feels like I don't want to use the term you know seeing ghosts or feeling ghosts like that Sam Darnold did on my football but I feel like it's a that's something that a lot of quarterbacks face like it's not just inexperienced young guys you know so and especially when you have a poor offensive line and pass protection like Kirk has had during his time in Minnesota like it's very easy for that to be the case and I think that's what gets to him more than the outside noise I really don't think he gives one you know what about what we say or what vikings fans think or what the kirk collin coward says like i don't think he cares so he seems it, to
0: reinforce that too at least as right. of
1: late it's just it's just unfortunately you know again it, a lot of this is for his ability you know whatever his attitude towards come from behind how his mindset shifts um his style of play whatever it is that's a combination of things but he just hasn't been successful in comeback situations in his career. He just hasn't. Uh, and I think this has to be a huge confidence booster for him from that perspective to say, okay, well now it, we know, let's say the Vikings are trailing Seattle, you know, on Monday night football in a couple of weeks by a couple possessions in the fourth quarter. They don't need to buckle down and, and, and they don't need to buckle in and just give up. Like they can, can they know that this. they have the firepower to come back. And if they, especially if they get Kirk moving to his left, like he's as accurate as anybody in the NFL. So yeah, this is big from that perspective. Cause again, Denver's a really good defense. Like this is perhaps the toughest defense that Kirk has faced this season. He just ripped them in the second half.
0: Yeah. yeah. And that's important to note here because people want to, uh, well, it's mainly Packers fans for what it's worth, but people in general want to discount the Vikings ability to come back here because Denver is, you know, not yeah. a good football team. Uh, at least what their record, the record says they're a very bad football team. Um,
1: they do have. I'm trying to think of their, their losses, though. I think are it's very, three. Of very I think it's close. three
0: of them. I think it's three. Three they games three by they two. lost. They have in three the games quarter. by
1: two exactly. They, yeah. have by they have this game by four. They had the Bears game that was they should not have lost that game. Trubisky yeah. had that completion on the field with less than a second left, and they gave him another play, and somehow the Bears kicker made a clutch kick. That never happens. Right. And then they had I think the Colts game a couple weeks ago where Adam Vinatieri was like 0 for 12 in the game, and then he buried the game winner. So. Yeah stuff like that that has happened to this team that, you know, they're really close to being good and another close loss for them. And it's, again, I think Kirk, this is, this is a signature performance for Kirk Cousins in Minnesota. Uh, Now this is, again, that's, this is by no means the same thing as beating Seattle or as, you know, uh, valuable of a win per se as something like Seattle would be next uh, in two weeks. But it's, it's super impressive. And I think it's again if you believe in momentum you believe in the camaraderie like aspect of you know winning football games uh you really like this win because of how they finished the game and how they fought through a really really bad start to still get a win while pretty much everybody uh besides kirk was not at their best in this game
0: yeah yeah uh it was a banner performance for kirk cousins for sure um and like i said he did so many different things well The deep passes were on point. I mean, you cannot throw a better ball than the one that he threw to Diggs on the touchdown. It it literally, unbelievable. It was pinpoint accuracy. I mean, you got Chris Harris in coverage there too. I mean, one of the best cover guys in the country. Um, It's just like, it. it, He did. He did. He did the things right from a captain standpoint. Right, like a leader. Uh, he, He. he did his job, but then he also did it from like a technical standpoint, like the way he was maneuvering around in the pocket, evading pressure. I mean, the Broncos got to him five times yesterday. You know, there was real pressure there. Pat Elfline, Riley reef and uh, Garrett Bradbury all had negative PFF grades. If you're someone who buys into that, like significant, like very bad bottom tier PFF grades. So if you're into that, I mean, that just suggests that the offensive line was horrid. I mean, and they were, and he was able to kind of navigate around that, uh, find ways to, you know, still get the balls to, ball to his playmakers in the second half. I mean, I still it still baffles me that they they, they don't force-feed Diggs more. But they did in the second oh, half yeah. that work. I think everybody's
1: in agreement there. Like, yeah. The first half when they didn't take any shots besides the one to Diggs downfield. It just field. doesn't like, make sense. If he's one-on-one with anybody in, in football, you you give him a chance. And yep. that, that, that obviously has to improve moving forward. And it's not as easy as – we were making it sound like okay, get to the line of scrimmage, you see one on one, and throw it. It's there's right. more to it than that. But you need to force feed a guy that's that talented because he. I saw some. Um, I saw somebody on, on Twitter. I can't remember who it was, but they were making a note of how few pass attempts the Vikings have as a team, and how many yards Diggs has generated out of that. And like you put him on scale with uh, some of the leaders in terms of the pass attempts comparison, and he's certainly up there like, what do you high, think top 5 ranking in in uh in football
0: what do you like just without looking at i have a stat in front of me just as okay. a you know as someone who has watched all the games and watched them you know with kind of a a, a in like an intricate eye uh what do you think his yards per f- reception is this season
1: yards per reception
0: yeah so every time he catches the ball what's the average
1: yeah it's a heck of a lot more than last year last year he was exactly 10 i remember that mm-hmm. um Probably
0: 14, 15. It's 19.1 on the season. <laughs> okay. That's and then literally double actually pretty and much. And then uh, Matthew Collar on Score North today, uh, he did it by target. It's 15 yards per target. So even the balls that are falling incomplete, he's averaging 15 yards per target this season.
1: That's in- w- That's incredible. That has to be – that, that has to that's to rank. Pretty, it's it's otherworldly. It's not that has like it's to it did. rank pretty freaking high in in NFL right now.
0: I, it's like it's one of those statistics where like you can easily kind of disqualify it because obviously if it's incomplete, like you got zero yards, right? But like just the fact that like if you just target him more, I mean the numbers will eventually kind of regress to the mean. To use He's a ma- math word for you, fifteen yards
1: per target is absurd. Yeah, it is absurd. Like.
0: Yeah. And it and, and you mentioned it too, to come off of what where he was at last year, hundred and two receptions, little over shot it was, a hair yeah. over a thousand yards. Was
1: basically re- hundred for a thousand, more mm-hmm. or less, right? Yeah. That's basically what was one oh two for
0: one twenty. So uh it's crazy. That's the one, that's kind of the major, that's the, That's a big critique. I mean, there are obviously bigger ones that come out of this game, uh, but that's uh, that's an important one. you got to find a way to get him the ball more. Uh, but Cousins was able to find him a lot uh, during that second half, and he had an explosive performance, as he seems to do. Uh, I think there's a very strong argument that, well, you know, I think it's pretty much definitive at this point because he does have the one play that matters more than anything else. Uh, he's the most clutch receiver that the Vikings have ever had. And we're talking about a list of Chris Carter, Randy Moss, Jake Reed. I mean.
1: Yeah. So, Stefan Diggs leads the NFL in in yards per target. Yeah. Uh, That's not that that's surprising. But, like, um, I'm trying to look here. I'm just looking at pro football reference right now. And of the top, you know, 10, there are four of them with 60 or more targets. You got Diggs. Then you have Amari Cooper, who's at 11.2 yards per target. You have Cortland Sutton, who has yep. 10.6. You have Michael Thomas is in Tyler, the... Tyler Lockett, 10.4. Michael Thomas has 10 exactly yards per target. Mm-hmm. Um, he has 114 targets this year. Holy smokes! But yep. like the efficiency there is incredible. So basically, what we're saying is by giving some cool numbers, but basically we're saying get this guy at the ball <laughs> because he's nobody is more efficient, uh, and yet literally nobody's more efficient, and it's not really close. Uh, with their targets and stuff on Diggs,
0: and he does it in the biggest of moments. That's the mm-hmm. and that's I mean obviously a, a wide receiver's performance is somewhat a product, well a lot a product of the quarterback, um, but the fact that he's always open when the Vikings seem to need it most, whether it's the kind of the the fluky Minneapolis miracle where it took a mistake plus a gutsy throw, or mm-hmm. the fact that he literally he shredded Chris Harris on that. Play. I can't wait till the All Twenty Two comes out because he was why I mean he had three steps on him it's it's crazy he was he was outstanding he showed up in the biggest moment um you know this is a this is the type of game where you need to have this if you want to have a, not not just win the division but if you want to have a shot at winning getting a first round by and playing at home throughout uh you need to have this type of win I mean grand scheme AFC opponent uh you know it doesn't affect your conference record any of those tiebreakers uh But if you want to be a team that's competing for a bye, uh, you need Mm -hmm. to have these wins. And the Vikings found a way to do that um, basically because Kirk Cousins turned it on in a way that we have never seen before. Correct. Correct. Uh, and And honestly, we may never see this again. And that's it's just it's great to it's nice to know. It's nice to have physical evidence, video evidence proof. Definitively, that the Vikings have the capacity to go down the field against a great defense and come back when they're down on multiple scores. This is not something that you could say about Teddy Bridgewater, who I love and have defended for years, but you can't say that about Teddy Bridgewater. No way in hell Teddy Bridgewater's coming back down 20 ga- 20 points. That's just, it's not his game. He never did that. I mean, Case Keenum, maybe. Maybe Case Keenum, but not, not Bridgewater. Not not definitely Case not. He might. I mean, maybe not 20 points, but he does have kind of the cojones to to make those. You know, oh, those he does. Outs.
1: He's got the, he's he's got the cojones to launch the ball down the field. We know my, that.
0: My point being here is I don't I, I don't remember a Vikings quarterback quarterback in my lifetime. So you can exclude you know Fran Tarkenton and all those you know old school names that you want to throw out there. There's been no Vikings quarterback other than Cousins and then Favre for a single season, which is you know he's not a Vikings quarterback. I mean, I, we say it as a joke, but. This is the first true blue Vikings quarterback where I've been able to be like, okay, if we're down two scores against a good defense, there's now proof that this guy can do it. He did it. Okay. So that's the biggest takeaway for me. And honestly, like uh, that makes me believe (laughs) that this team can do more than uh, seeing them come back like this. I don't care that it's an inferior opponent. Just the fact that they did it, it's there now. Mm -hmm. They know, we know they can do it. We can believe you know, for those of you who do love hope and and honestly who love hope to the point of delusion, you have facts to back up that now. Yes. And that's awesome. That's a great feeling as a fan. It's really – it's like to know that you're never out of the game, like you said before, this is why you pay the guy $84 million, period. Yep. Uh, Straight up.
1: That, that This is exactly why. And it, we've – I think we've all kind of been waiting for something like this where uh, – We needed it. I mean, we're not waiting for the team, you know, the, the other 52 guys on the team to have a bad performance, you know, it's just so Kirk can get – this win, but it does validate that the contract he has. I mean, Absolutely. I think we've been waiting for that, you know, because last year there were games where um, like the, the Packers game that was a tie at Lambeau where he played phenomenally. that didn't quite come away with a win because of a kick, you know, or you had the the Rams game last year where he did the same thing and it was just happened to be that Jared Goff had the best performance of his lifetime. Yep. Uh, this is one where he truly put the team on his back and they won because of him. Yep. It kind of in a way redeems the Packers loss week two. Obviously the Packers loss means more in scheduling and division rivalry, and whatnot, but in a way that this is the best way that Kurt can kind of make up for it is really winning a game because of his performance. So um, I kinda wanna get to school skill here because we have a lot of good ones, but I do want to also give a shout out to J Ron Kurse and the way he filled in. I was in. just
0: gonna say we should we should brief on the defense quick here.
1: Yeah, I mean, I, dude, I just want I just want to I just want to touch on J. Ron Curse because I think A, you know, the secondary overall was was beaten for the you know, you, you can't let Brandon Allen and is it Tim Patrick? I don't even know his name, but Patrick. Yeah, Tim Patrick. Uh, Roland Sutton's a good player. You know, I, I'm okay with the Vikings getting beat by him a few yep. times, but Brandon Allen shouldn't be torching you. We know that. Secondary got beat. That's there's nothing more to discuss there, and I think it's at a concerning level at this point. The last two weeks, Dak threw, got whatever he wanted. Uh, Brandon Allen got pretty much whatever he wanted, but. The bright spot for me is, A, I think Hunter and Griffin are still getting pressures at an, a, a stupid rate, Yep. Uh, are rushing the passer, and then J. Ron Curse filled in and was clutched down the stretch uh, mm-hmm. as the Broncos tried to target Noah Fant. He was not letting it happen. So those are my two bright spots on the defense.
0: Curse, uh, Curse is a guy who, in the last couple weeks, if you follow his Twitter account, has been a little bit outspoken about his kind of uh, uh, annoyance with the fact that he hasn't been getting more ta- more playing time and he got he actually got Mike Zimmer to say during a press conference today that he probably should be playing more and i mean it, that perform, the performance that he had was it, w- it was such a championship level performance it's like you could you could tell that he came from clemson because he was ready for the big moment yeah. and he was ready for it he what wanted, four, he
1: wanted the moment too. and he got it he like
0: four it. times in a row and he came up big every single time You wouldn't know this by watching that game, but Brandon Allen actually finished with under 50% completion largely because of J. Ron Kurse. I think he was 0 for 5 when he was shooting at J. Ron Kurse. So he was shutting down Fant and the other tight end. I don't remember that dude's name, but he was silencing tight ends, which Anthony Barr was struggling with throughout the game. Kurse comes in. I mean, that big nickel package is looking really nice against tight ends right now because Kurse just, he was doing a phenomenal, phenomenal job. And then he he excelled in that big moment, like he said. It became a bend-but-don't-break type of situation. Um, And the Vikings did not break because of that type of performance from Kirst. You know, I I am very concerned about Xavier Rhodes at this point. Uh, I'm with all of you guys. I think that he is, uh, at at the very least, to put it kindly, a subpar cornerback right now. Uh, That's where he's at. Trey Waynes had a humongous tackle. Which he 's come a long way as a tackler uh, since his rookie season, and part of that is probably putting on some bulk and some other technical things, but that tackle that he made on third and lo- uh, third and short in the backfield, or well not necessarily in the backfield, but on the kind of the right sideline for a four yard loss was humongous, so he had a couple of nice plays, but in coverage, not great. I mean Mike Hughes got burnt to a crisp again, I guess he 's technically i mean games wise he 's still Pretty much a rookie, so some of that is somewhat expected. But the coverage was not good, and that's something that's going to need to that's going to need to improve if we're truly going to have super Bowl aspirations for this team. But um, I mean, the defense as a whole was not great. They still only allowed twenty three. But again, you're playing against Brandon Allen. It's not like it's disheartening for sure. I'm, I'm with you guys who are complaining about the defense, who have a problem with the defense right now. Uh, they need to be way better. But at least you can count on the front four. Jaleel Johnson had a maybe his best game as a pro, got his – I believe was either his first or second career sack. Uh, so that's all. He awesome. made some big plays. He did make some big plays. And keep in mind, he's filling in for Joseph, so it's nice to see that you had that type of depth there. Uh, and then, you know, with the exception to in coverage, Anthony Barr was not great, but I thought that Barr was a solid player. I mean, he's not – he, he – I, I don't know if he's ever going to live up to that contract, and that's probably a discussion we can have down the road because I – he got a very big contract. Like, he got an edge rusher contract to not really be a true edge rusher, to be kind of an all purpose linebacker. And I don't really know if that's something that's, you know, I don't think that he necessarily excels in that way. But uh, he did, he was able to uh, to make a couple of nice plays. But again, that's secondary, man. That's a problem. Harrison yeah. Smith limps off with a hamstring, too. There are some real concerns. Which there.
1: that's, that's, <laughs> I mean, for, it's concerning, but when you have Jaron Kurse getting targeted five times allowing exactly zero receptions uh you know you feel a little bit better about it Xavier Rhodes by the way official numbers from Pro Football focus five targets uh allowed four receptions for 110 yards and also had two penalties yep so not, not great good. not good and really teams should just be throwing it at him as much as they can because he needs chances safety are help at this point chances are if he if the completion is not allowed down the field there's probably going to be a penalty on top of it so it's one or the other
0: uh, and that's that's a real... Pr- that's which, a, by that's the way, a very problem.
1: shocking that they just didn't go to Sutton at all uh, in that final drive there. I mean, I think he had one completion early on in the drive, and then as they got in the red zone, they didn't even look that way, yeah. which was interesting. But, yeah. all right. Skull skill time. Let's go to ours first. Um, I'll start by saying, I coming into the week, I did not expect a Broncos win to change. Uh, a win over the Broncos to change my number. I think it was at eight. Um, but... The way this played out, uh, and it, it obviously it means a lot to have, you know, ending on a positive note versus if the Vikings, let's say, let's let's say they get up to 24 nothing lead and then they just squeaked by with like a four point win. But um, I'm gonna I'm gonna up it to about 8.3, and that's literally only because of Kirk Cousins. Like, yeah, I'm gonna go 8.5, 8.5, a full half point just because I know Kirk can put the team on his back and win a game now. Yeah. Uh, so from eight to eight point five, and again, coming into the week, I would not have under normal circumstances given the Vikings any extra boost for beating Denver at home, but the way Kirk against the top five defense uh, put the team on his back, and really, again, they win this game because of Kirk Cousins and the fact that he can do that now and is living up to that contract with that win. Certainly, um, that gives me a, a half point boost in the skull scale.
0: Yeah, I was at eight point five last week. I'm gonna just jump up a, like a couple points here because I I think that eight point five is a pretty good place to be after this one. Uh, keeping mm-hmm. in mind that again, the skull scale is to suggest that you know how how many teams in the league do you think the Vikings can beat, uh, and you know what are the chances that you know you believe that they can win, they could de- truly win yeah. you know a tough game.
1: How many teams are they better than? Like it's to me, it's a what percentage of teams are the Vikings better than? You right,
0: know? and uh, I think. I think that 85%, so eighty-five percent, so eight point five, is pretty. It's pretty, pretty solid. I'll jump up to eight point eight because I, I, I do want to boost for the same reason that you just said. That Kirk Cousins proved that he can do this, and the statistics are backing it up too. I mean, this is now. Uh, <laughs> It's crazy. I was count I was counting. I mean, he, he has one, two, three, four, six of the last seven games, his pass rating has been over one hundred. And the other the one that wasn't was a ninety four point two. And that was the one against Kansas City, which was largely decreased because of his completion percentage of fifty percent. So he has consistent since the beginning of October, I don't know what snapped it was the Bears got... game.
1: It was the Adam Thielen apology. That's what it was.
0: Whatever it was. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever it was. He has snapped since then, and he, he is a good quarter quarterback. You can believe – I mean, it's facts. It's – I'm not waiting for the, the fall as much as I was before. That's kind of the biggest difference here. It's, I have gro- – my expectations for Kirk Cousins are no longer based on his salary. They're based more on what I have seen him do now. I, I now believe that he can keep the Vikings in a game against anyone. Any, it doesn't matter. I mean, Denver's as good of a defense as you're going to face. Seattle does not have this defense. They Are they, are they a more complete they team? They definitely
1: do not have the, the – they're not the Legion of
0: Boom anymore. That's no, they are not. Are they a more complete team with a much better quarterback that, you know, if you fall behind against, it's probably going to be a problem? Absolutely. But Kirk Cousins has proven that he can beat good defenses with timely play. Uh, that that is worthy of a bump. Uh, so I will yeah. jump this thing up to 8.8. 8.
1: I think it's it's worth noting that if, let's say, the, you know, overall it's a net positive for me, but, like, yeah. it, it, it's the because school we skill does have this. a – there's a negative effect with the defense there too. Like, you know, overall the defense drops this the grade a little bit, but Kirk's performance drops it. It probably increases everything by about a full point. So I'm about a net half-point increase, but it's like – that defensive performance is just very—it's it, it, concerning. But they still and
0: only allowed twenty-three points for what it's they worth. They did, but it—it it, but it was home concerning that, that. I get, stadium, I get it. But I'm know, saying, the
1: Vikings like, are, have been have been lights out in that stadium. You if know?
0: that's if that's worst-case scenario. Carr,
1: Matt Ryan, all these guys have done nothing at US Bank Stadium this year. You know, and for Brian Allen to go in there and have his way, like it—it it is concerning. Xavier Rhodes does not look like a number one corner. But any overall. Positive, uh, at least in my opinion. So let's get to your opinions. Now you uh, have James Cuno uh, at James 1297. He actually gave us three tweets here to kind of tell <laughs> his skull scale. So I love it by the way, this he's going to give us the complete rundown here. So he's at an eight. He says all season long, we hear about the narratives around Kirk cousins, primetime wins, winning teams playing against good defenses, etc Kirk has done nothing this season, but shatter these narratives. He's undefeated so far in primetime wins even beating a winning team on the road. Uh, and he just put up 300-plus yards and three touchdowns against a Vic Fangio defense that was ranked the top five going into the game. Mm-hmm. Furthermore, he made a fourth-quarter comeback. What can't he do now? Uh, while it wasn't a winning team, their record is, isn't as indicative of their talent. Denver lost a lot of really close games. Very true, as we mentioned earlier. They have they have had some tough losses this year. Yep. Uh, I remember hearing the broadcaster say at one point that this team isn't built to play from behind and yet pulled it off with four
0: they did say that. They did say that the Vikings can't play if they're I not
1: – I, I literally tweeted that exact thing. I think sarcastically I said, like, well, hey, at least the Vikings are built to play from behind. haha <laughs> ha LOL. And they literally came back and won. So,
0: I mean, I, I, the point that he makes, like, what can't they do? I mean, that's that really is kind of like the the epitome of the skull scale. Like, if you – if, like, your Vikings optimism level is based on what you think the ceiling is for the Vikings. And right now, I don't see the ceiling. Now, are we going to learn a lot against Seattle in two weeks? Oh, yeah, for sure. But looking into this, going into a bye week where we don't have to judge this team on something new for two weeks? I mean, sky is the limit. I mean, if they it is. They just... What What do you need them to do? They can't play Green Bay every week to redeem that game. They can't go to Soldier Field again this year and play. Like those games are in the past. They lost them. It sucks. I mean, it's not great, but like do like looking at what you've seen the last two months, would you truly believe that the Vikings are out of it going to Soldier Field again? No, I don't think so. If the Vikings go to Lambeau Field again this year, do you think that that game looks a little bit different? i I tend to think I tend to think so. If the if the Vikings go to Foxborough right now, do you think that's going to be a competitive game with the way that the Patriots' offense is playing? Do you think that they can get past the front four of San Francisco right now? I mean, there are question marks, there is skepticism there, but that's the like I love that point because truly, I think the Vikings can beat anyone. Will they beat everyone? Remains to be seen, and pro- it seems unlikely, but can they do it? Absolutely. Why can't they? They
1: have the potential to, I think, at the least, is what we're coming to right now. Right. I mean, you can't say that about a lot of teams, you know. Most teams. I think there's probably, there's probably eight, I don't eight? know, eight to ten teams that you could say this team could beat anybody.
0: And the parity at, like, uh, the, the at the top of the league, not oh, yeah. throughout the league, but the parity amongst the top eight teams in the NFL right now suggests, I mean, there's no, the San Francisco 49ers, New England Patriots, and Baltimore Ravens are essentially the juggernauts right now. You can throw New Orleans in there as well if you want. I yep. mean, I don't – there's no reason to believe the okay. Vikings can't compete with them. There's no reason. I mean, if the Vikings have to go to the Superdome, I don't think that's, that's game over. I think they could still win that football game. So
1: I, would, I wouldn't have said that before the season. Absolutely. All right. Our guy, Mr. Minnesota, at Mr. Minnesota, uh, he says a 10. He's, he's all in. He's, he's pushing all the chips forward. He's a 10. Knowing the Vikings can come back from a huge deficit like that is incredibly encouraging. The most underrated play of the game. It was Dejo's interception at the end of the half. I, I think the Vikings agree. lose if that interception doesn't happen. Absolutely, he deserves a lot of credit for that. Yeah, you know, we like to make fun of him for for knocking Everyth- his own teammates out. Ev- everything, you <laughs> everything.
0: Mean? But no, yeah, that's, that's, yeah, great, yeah. but that's that's a great that's a great point. I sent that t- yeah. I sent that text message to one of my buddies. I, I literally said, "Send of all people, change the game," and he did. If they don't if they don't intercept that ball, think about what they're going into half with. Abdullah fumbles. Let's say they only get three there.
1: They're down 23 nothing.
0: And then, and then, I mean, that's a problem. That's and a different if game.
1: If not there, that pass is probably completed, I believe, to Fant, who is behind him. Yeah. Which would be a touchdown. Oh, he, that he would did, be nasty. He, saved,
0: he did. He's the, he is like the – he is the guy, like – he is the – That's wonderful. the unsung hero. He, that's exactly. Yes, he is the unsung hero. Perfect.
1: All right. Now we get to our guy, Adam West. Uh, <laughs> a dose a- of reality a- coming, I feel a- like. A West E1. He is a – for those who don't know, uh, I'm sure people know, but – He's a he's a uh, I don't want to say a hater
0: of Kirk, I say a a doubter,
1: a truther. He's a truther of Kirk. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, we'll say that. Uh, He says seven and a half. Uh, We've seen this team play at the second half level before talking about in the second half, how they lights out offense. Um, And after two weeks, they reverted back. So he's saying, you know, there was a few weeks in between where uh, Kirk and the offense were kind of sporadic. But um, overall, you know, the the offense uh, has kind of gotten back on track and he really likes the uh, deep downfield shots. He is a big fan of getting the ball downfield with Stefan Diggs. And Adam, I know what you're talking about. I'm fully on board with that. So um, the Minnesota Vikings need to... Take more shots downfield. I think that's the big criticism here from Adam. But seven and a half is Adam West's uh, school scale number. So, yeah, I mean, he says going to need more consistency there. Yeah, I'm with you. More consistency. You know, you can't just play one half of good football most of the time and win. Uh, the Vikings are able to in this case. Although, I would like to see more credit from Adam when it comes to uh, giving Kirk Cousins what he's due and uh, realizing that this guy really put the team on his back to win the game uh now here's another account uh, at heat underscore vikings uh i think i've seen this account um maybe another doubter of Kirk cousins as well uh got two tweets here from him he says i have a nine out of ten optimism on the team and brain trust itself because they've done a good job outside of signing or draft choice here or there of, of a signing or draft choice here or there. But he goes on to say, I have a five and a half out of 10 optimism on cousins being capable of winning games that matter versus quality teams. Sorry. I had, so, <laughs> yeah, those watching on video BJ was gone. I had to do a monologue did there you, for like
0: did, 10 seconds. Did you say it? Did you say, did, do they even know that I was gone or did you just keep walking? Through? Now they do. Oh <laughs> damn. I just had but, uh, I just had the, the the police just showed up at my apartment door because someone in my apartment made a phony call to the police and they thought that oh. it came from my room. Yeah. So I just had to basically <laughs> and this is the second time it's happened. So the guy was like, Wait, I've seen you before. Like the, and I was like, No Yeah, I-
1: so those watching on YouTube just saw me like <laughs> stumble through Adam West tweet and then talking to nobody basically. <laughs> but anyway, it worked out. Okay, so I'm gonna restart so I went through Adam West tweet. I don't know if you, you you're we're behind. So you can't really get, give the feedback there, unfortunately. But this next tweet here is from at heat underscore Vikings. I think it's another account that has been skeptical of Kirk. Okay. Uh, if I'm remembering Vikings Twitter correctly. So these are kind of Adam and this guy are kind of like the, the leaders of the uh, Kirk skepticism. So he says nine out of 10 optimism on the team and brain trust itself because they've done a great job outside of assigning here or there. Or a draft choice here or there. But he then says I have a five and a five out of ten, optimism on cousins being capable of winning games that matter versus quality teams. And he's talking about San Francisco, New Orleans, Seattle, Green Bay, NFC playoff teams. Um mm-hmm. uh, he then he adds another tweet says five and a half means basically it's opponent coaching and cast dependent on whether he'll perform. I have a relatively high confidence in the cast, but the opponent can have a game plan to stop the run or get enough pressure that could torpedo the offense. So I can't have confidence in Kirk. What are your thoughts there?
0: Okay. So the part that sticks out to me is cast dependent, which I I, I think that's a fair criticism, but I think that's a fair criticism of literally every quarterback. Yeah. Literally 100% of look at Carson Wentz right now. I think that this is probably a good point of reference. Carson Wentz, two years ago MVP candidate before he gets hurt. I don't think that his play has dropped off since he got hurt. Like in terms of his ability to perform as a quarterback, I don't think he's different. I think the surrounding cast around him is much different. Nelson Agholor can't catch balls. He's basically got two Pro Bowl caliber tight ends to throw the ball to. Alshon Jeffrey is off. If he's on the field, he's dropping passes. If he, and a lot of the time he's hurt. Uh, the running back situation is a rookie, Miles Sanders, who is ineffective. Uh, Jordan Howard, who was out this week, but it's basically a guy who's going to get you four, four yards, no matter what, and nothing better ever. Uh, and they just had to sign Jay Ajayi because they didn't, they don't even have enough backs. So that's the cast that he's working with and they're losing games. Be- it's not because of Carson Wentz. It's because of the guys that are around him. You could say the same thing about pretty much everyone with the exception of guys like, I don't know, Mitchell Trubisky, who finds ways to lose games. Has Kirk done that in the past? Yes, has he done that in recent memory? So talking like eight games, no. I think the cast has failed Kirk more than Kirk has failed the team at least in the last month or month plus or so. Let's
1: let's just let's just look at this cast, right? Because you know the Vikings are missing Adam Thielen,
0: yeah, but superstar Pro
1: Bowl receiver. But they do have arguably
0: they have they have the the second best running back in the NFL the best one not named yeah, Christian which, McCaffrey and they have Stefan Diggs who is yeah, I, no. I mean you can argue he's higher than this but I'm going to say he's a top 15 wide receiver in the NFL.
1: Let's look at this game in particular. So okay. cast dependent, opponent dependent. These are all fair criticisms of Kirk, you know, I think uh in the past and given the way his career has has played out. But I don't think this Broncos game is a good example of that, especially in the second half because you have I mean, if we're talking about the opponent, Denver's, Denver's defense is borderline top five in the NFL. Yeah. Or it was going into the game. Their rankings are going to fall a little bit now because of Kirk. You have the running game was just stuffed. Del, so Dalvin Cook was essentially a non-factor in this game. He had he, one or two kind of explosive he, no, plays. No, he on was past,
0: a straight-up non-factor.
1: But pretty much non-factor. Uh, As a receiver, his, 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 too, by the way. Yeah. And Stefan Diggs, obviously, huge playmaker, got past Chris Harris there, but that ball was absolutely perfect. Like a lot of receivers, it was in stride. Know, I want to, want to discredit Stefan Diggs and his ability to get open, but that was a perfect throw that a lot of receivers with the right speed would have been able to make. Right. So, you know, and it's, it's, I don't think this game is a good example of what he's talking about. Now I'm still on the kind of a little bit skeptical and of Kirk in primetime games, you know, against really good opponents. Like the Seattle game is going to tell me a lot yeah, about yeah. Kirk, uh, but you know, I I understand those concerned about Kirk and a little skeptical skeptical still, but the the performance against Denver went a long way for me.
0: Yeah, I, I I'm with you for sure. I, I I understand the the kind of the harping on narratives because like we have. Vikings fans have this inherent ex- expectation that the Vikings are going to blow it. And Kirk Cousins has somewhat epitomized that sentiment throughout his like he is the personification of how you feel about the Vikings in big games. The fumbles, the stupid interceptions, the just the baffling slides to not get a first down. Like he just does so many little things where you're like, "Oh my god, like this is like this is what it's been to be a, this is what it's like to be a Vikings fan." So I get it, and I get that you kind of have – we have some sort of like minor level of PTSD because of that. I get it. I get it, okay? But it hasn't been like that. Like how long does he have to be good for us to start being like, okay, maybe, maybe you know, he just have a bad game every once in a while. I mean Tom Brady played terrible yesterday, okay? Are we still saying that he's not good? Are we going to say that he's not good? I mean some of you might be like, oh, he's old, he's regressing, whatever. Uh Dak Prescott has a bad game every now and then. He's an up-and-up quarterback. Most of you guys would agree that he's a good quarterback now, right? Lamar Jackson got smoked by the Browns. Was that just a bad game? I don't know. I mean, quarterbacks sometimes just have bad games. I'm starting to believe that it's more of an outlier than a consistent issue with Kirk Cousins right now. That's where I'm getting to. Mm-hmm. And Seattle will prove that game. will kind of yeah. prove that point, I think.
1: Yeah. That's Seattle games. That Seattle game going to tell us a lot right. uh, about Kirk, about this team. About how serious they should be talked about in the NFC. Um, our last one here from Adam New at Adam J New eighty uh, five. He says an eight. All the things Kirk couldn't do, he's proving he can. Feeling to come back hopefully after the bye. Uh, Cook still does okay when even when he has a bad game, uh, and a nice bye week now to rest up for the final push. Uh, I don't think Kirk would, Cook was effective at all. Uh, I think Denver rendered him basically a non-factor, like we talked about. Uh, but I think the larger point here that I want to touch on is the bye week is very much needed right now. Yeah. A lot of banked up, you know, Linval's out, Adam Thielen's out. Kurt,
0: uh, and then you got, you got hamstring yeah. with Harrison Smith. Yep. And by the way, Delvin Anthony Cook. Anthony Harris. Yeah, Anthony Harris too. But we kind of glossed over the fact that Delvin Cook had like a shoulder. Yeah, he like did he too. hurt his shoulder. It looked, it
1: looked like a collarbone injury at first. That was. Which yeah. It doesn't, it doesn't we, appear to be that because he went back in and played. Yeah. But that was that was scary. So, it would be nice, and, uh, and
0: on top of it, they, they get 14 days of rest too from today as of this recording. They're playing Monday they're playing, night. Yeah, they're yeah. playing
1: Monday night. That's right. That's this an is, extended bye.
0: This is yeah. This is this is coming. I mean, it seems like bye weeks always. I mean, maybe it's just the inherent nature of a bye that every team kind of needs time to, you know, recoup, uh, re-energize, or whatever. But this really feels like you know at eight and three, you got to solid you got an important five game stretch coming up you want everyone healthy for these you know two or three very big games seattle san diego los angeles uh who's a good team and a team that you need to beat and then that's on the road and then you've got green bay coming to town i mean this is it, it could not be coming at a better time
1: yep yep okay and then i guess last on the docket here was i know you wanted to touch on fandom you you've uh teased me a little bit with the rant perhaps a rant I don't know if we're gonna we'll see what unfolds here if it's a rant or what it is i'm in a better mood.
0: I'm in a better mood now than I was when I texted you that so I don't know we'll see <laughs> okay
1: <laughs> all right yeah you're the floor is yours sir
0: yeah uh, okay so <clears throat> uh, the reason why this is this is this is coming up now is because so after the first half during the Vikings game I want to say that ninety percent of you and this includes myself and I'll let you speak for yourself but most of us thought this game was over, right? Uh, we went into this half saying it's going to take a miracle. Like, that's like the your, the highest level of praise was it's going to take a miracle to come back and win this game. So a lot of you guys were very frustrated. And I I, I don't really love tweeting that much anymore, but I do love to read your guys' thoughts during Vikings game. I love to scroll down, up and down my Twitter feed and read your reactions to every little thing. Uh, and so I, I, I spent probably too much time doing that. And a lot of you guys are very passionate fans, and I respect the hell out of that. And I think it's really important that you have the right to be whatever type of fan that you want to be, okay? Uh, now, what I'm ramping up to here is I want to have kind of a broader discussion about just fandom in general. And, like, the way that, the way that other the fans treat each other, how they interact when things kind of go sideways, the natural reaction, and social media is the epitome of this because it's literally got everyone from the most rational fan to the most irrational fan all in one place. It's all grouped together, so you're going to see literally everything. Okay, you've got some, you got some fans who are just off the wall, and I don't, and that is your right as a fan. Okay, and then you've got other fans. I like to classify myself in this group who are a little bit more rational. They don't take it personally. They don't let it ruin their day. They try to have sort of a mature approach where they're seeing it as just a game, and it's not really about your life. It's not going to ruin your life. That's kind of where I stand as a fan. Now, the way that people like me interact with the other, the other group, the irrational group, it's like it, it's hilarious, first of all. But second of all, it's like it, it just it doesn't make sense to me. The rational fan loves to discredit the fandom of the irrational fan. Okay, so you've got. You've got these people, and by the way, I do not condo- I do not condone this type of behavior. I understand. <laughs> well, I don't understand it, but like you've got some people who are just carpet bombing Twitter with f bombs when the Twin when the Vikings go down, and while I share your sentiment, I don't understand why you have to. Like, I don't get. Like, do you not have an employer that might look at that? Like, are you not concerned about like your public image at all? Like, I don't I don't understand that. But like, I I, I like I get where you're coming from, but like. That doesn't make sense to me. And then you've got the other side who is just chastising this group and saying, like, you're not a real fan because you don't like that, you don't believe in the team anymore. Okay, I said this earlier. I think that's delusional. It's literally delusional to me to just think the Vikings are in every single game. Objectively speaking, from every statistic, 96% chance that Denver was going to win that football game. It is okay to say, this team sucks right now, I hate this, you know, insert expletive. It is okay to think that way. And it doesn't discredit your fandom either. In fact, it might make you more of a fan because you're so passionate that you're quite literally exploding with, like, emotions because of it. I think it's a dangerous way to live your life. And I think that a lot of you guys, as you kind of get older, because I remember being 18, 19, 20 years old and thinking that way, ride or dying with this team. And I think as you get a little bit older and you find other things to love, it becomes less important in your life that the Vikings win. But, like, you're not less of a fan. And I think that's so ridiculous to call people out. I Oh, my – it just – it it legitimately bothers me to be like – So you're
1: saying – you're talking about the people that would have gotten – you know, old take exposed type of thing yesterday, where like if they had said like, well, this team sucks, seven and four now, whatever. Yeah. And then the fans that go back in and say, oh, you're not a true fan. If you did, you jumped off the bandwagon. I, I
0: think that's so absurd. It's so absurd. And I love old take, old takes exposed. I think it's, I, I think it's equally absurd to get mad about getting old take exposed because everyone has cold takes. I mean, I, I probably have one somewhere <laughs> in this episode right now. So I think I think it's ridiculous to get mad at that. But I also think it's ridiculous to say, like, you are not a true fan. You're not you're a bandwagoner. You're whatever type of adjective you want to say, because you get pissed off when or you believe you don't have faith. It's like faith is so subjective. There's a reason why there's Fifty different types of religions in the world it's because everyone's faith is different and people go up and down with this roller coaster ride with their faith i am not someone who is going to stare into a 20 to nothing lead and say i still believe in this team (laughs) that's so ridiculous to me like, it's, it's so okay of you to be like, all right, seven and 7-4, uh, we probably aren't going to win the North. This sucks. I hate Sundays. Football's the worst. Can't wait till two weeks from now when the Vikings lose again to Seattle. Such a normal thing to say in that circumstance. And such <laughs> a weird thing to say 20 minutes later saying, I told you so. I had faith that we'd come back. No, you're stupid. You're straight-up dumb.
1: I, okay, in I don't, I, don't I wasn't at the game. I wasn't at the game. But – from all accounts. Every single fan in that stadium was booing. Right? <laughs> so we can yeah. make we can make this we can make this an argument about booing like you know, if you're booing a team, then you're not a proper fan, you're not, you know, you shouldn't be cheering for the team, whatever. Like, like this that's a whole other argument, but okay, from my perspective here, you can cheer for the team however you want to cheer for them, you know? Right. And at the same time, if you're criticized for the way you cheer for your team
0: who cares who cares first of all who cares and second of all you have that person has the right to dislike the yes. way that you are a fan matter. of the team
1: doesn't matter nothing I mean people care too much about how others
0: What well, they, they can't people, doesn't matter. like you're not gonna change someone's mind they've been a fan for however many years like they're gonna be that way like they might like like I said and mature is really not the right word they might grow in their fandom, their fandom might change. They might become a little bit more, Yeah, uh, I mean, if you haven't what had a, some rational. sort of epiphany
1: with like, by this point, like uh, where, like if I was the, at the point yesterday, you know, I, I thought the game was over at 17 or 20, nothing. I thought it was over. And I thought, I mean, I'm with you. I, that's totally normal. I'm looking, trying to look back on it and see if it was stupid, but it, I don't think it is like given the numbers, given the statistical, uh, uh, percentages i guess there's no way plus the vikings and i want to say cursed there's just no way the vikings should win that game uh so i I don't know it's
0: i I just i just i I, I think that fandom is so interesting just in general because like you have the side that i said you've got the you got the people who are dropping f-bombs up and down the timeline saying that every single vikings player sucks Mainly Kirk Cousins for what it's worth, no matter the situation, and that's hilarious too. And then, but the other side is just as ridiculous to me when they're sitting there and they're like hashtag faith. I'm like, no, hashtag dumb, dude. Like, like that's just you're being you're being absurd. Like, it, it's so not it's it's not rational either way. You're both like you're you're extremists on either side. Like you gotta find some sort of middle ground. And if you can't find that middle ground, you like you don't need to. I don't care if honestly I don't I don't care if you do. But like, at the same time, like you can't get pissed off at someone for thinking differently about the way that they cheer for their team. Like you can, you can't get mad about that. And if you're not going to change, then like you said, who cares? But if you are, again, if you're gonna, if you're if you're not going to change, why are you debating what's acceptable and what's yeah. not? Why are you calling people out for saying you don't know how to be a fan the right way? Why is your way of being a fan the right way? I just think that That's being all rational.
1: Just- Let's all just be fans how so you want to be fans. That's, you know? that's
0: what I think, and that's what it comes down to. I just think it's so absurd that, like, uh, it's just like – but it's – again, it's, I, I say all of this by, by also including that it is very entertaining for me. I enjoy the, the mix of emotions that I see. But I also think, like – I also kind of look at it sometimes and I'm like, eh, like, I don't, I don't know about that take. Or I don't, I don't know. Like, but that's just – you know, that's my approach. And you could have a different approach, and that's cool with me. But for sure, probably yeah, think about the fact that your employers are going to be looking at your Twitter account. Yeah, right?
1: I've, I've, uh, yeah, I thought about that, and I, 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 know for a fact that it happens. I uh, do too. You know? Yeah, especially at this it, age, it is a fact that it happens. And, <laughs> you know, it, depending on your position, it might be less important right. what you say on social media, but it. Don't you? But like, don't you like if you're if you're displaying that much emotion on your social media account about a football game? It's not a great.
0: I mean, if you were like just objectively speaking, if you're hiring someone, right? You, I mean, I know that you're like not going to be in a position to do that for probably at least some time. But if you at some point you get to the point where you're hiring someone, do you? I mean, are you going to like if you look at their Twitter account and you just see like this flurry of just kind of like curse words up and down. Like they don't know how to filter themselves whatsoever on social media. Like that's, that's going to rub just about everyone the wrong way. Right. You know, like it. you're never going to look at that. I
1: don't know. We're, we're getting into a discussion that's (laughs) a little bit off topic about being a Vikings fan, but that's
0: true. It's true.
1: I think you can only learn so much from somebody's social media accounts, but that's true. It,
0: it It is very, it 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 gives
1: you, it gives you like, uh, an expectation for when you meet the person, you know, in person. Yeah. You know, you yeah, have yeah. like an expectation of what might happen, yeah. And sometimes that might be a negative perception. But all right, we're, we're we're kind of getting some life lessons here on the <laughs> unbelievable podcast. Oh, yeah.
0: I do. Th- uh, it, it's interesting. Uh, and uh, yeah, feel free to feel free to share your thoughts with me because, like I said, I do like reading them. And now that we're you know posting on Daily Norseman, I like I do read all of your guys's comments. I'm gonna read every single one of them, and I don't care if it's negative or positive, whatever, because it's fun for me. So, if you have thoughts on the show or you know this little criticize
1: us for sure. Do it. I like I, if, if we're doing something something wrong. Like definitely tell us.
0: Yeah, I like. We that. might
1: not change what we're doing, but we also might.
0: <laughs> you never know. Uh, all right, guys. Well, that is uh, that is the show. Uh, I hope that you guys appreciated everything from the breakdown to uh, where we just got a little bit sidetracked there. Uh, but that was. I mean, that's that's a fun discussion for when me. The to police have, so.
1: visited your apartment. <laughs>
0: <laughs> they're, they're so, fun. yeah, they're so funny, I'm, too.
1: I'm going to be interested to see if there's any feedback on that because I literally just tried to, like, I was I was admittedly very rattled when you just like left. And I was like, all right, well, <laughs> I'm going to just try and power through here. Let's see here. <laughs> How long am I going to have to go solo here? And I'm just talking about this tweet. And I see another one. And uh, yeah, and then you come back and then I reread the tweet that I was talking about already. And it,
0: <laughs> yeah, we, ap- we apologize for that. The cops were funny, though. They're a good cop. Egan cops are great uh, anyways, uh, if you haven't already subscribed on iTunes, uh, we appreciate it. If you want to leave a review, a written review, we also appreciate that as well. Um, like I said, at the top, you can find us on daily Norseman and the climbing the pocket network. Make sure to check out the rest of the podcasts they have available there. They're all excellent. A lot of different personalities. So if you don't like us, maybe you like someone else. Uh, we appreciate all of it. And yeah. Uh, oh yeah. YouTube as well. If you like watching videos, um, Instead of listening. You might want to watch, this one. This, this, might watch an, this one. this might be an entertaining one to watch. Yeah. You can find it on YouTube. Uh, unbelievable. Uh, you can find that there. And then the Twitter account. Share your thoughts with us there as well. Uh, unbelievable underscore MN. Um, we appreciate it all. So thanks for listening, guys. And we will catch you later on this week.